0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome to episode 21 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for November 3, 2011. On today's show, we'll be uh, covering a couple of articles that really kind of irked me this week. One was from the Columbus Dispatch. The title was, One Million in Ohio, Lack Family Doctor. What is that about? We'll be talking about that. Um, and also, a New York Times article. Um, and also some advocacy efforts, advocacy efforts uh, by some family docs uh, coming up, uh, talking about uh, Medicare reform, and uh, some new people uh, starting uh, in social media here. So uh, that and some recent meetings uh, that I have been at and at are coming up. Um, all that on episode 21. Uh, the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen, the President of the American Academy of Family Physicians, Dr. Glenn
1: Stream. Um, this year, one of my commitments and and a great interests is to be more engaged with you as leaders, chapter leaders, uh, and and our frontline membership. Uh, on on Monday, a Twitter handle, uh, I'm privileged to be the first one to hold uh, at A-F-P-P-R-E-Z, Prez P-R-E-Z, I already have 29 followers, I feel so proud. Um, I have a long long way to go to catch up to uh, our current student board member, Kevin Bernstein, who has a little over 1,000, and our our king of family medicine, social media, uh, Mike Sevilla, who has nearly 7,000 members.
0: medicine and social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. I am your host, the friendly family physician. My name is Mike Sevilla, family physician and social media enthusiast. What is this show about? I get that question a lot. <laughs> I tell people this is social media through the eyes of a family physician. I encourage you to check out the website at com. And uh, to uh, join me on Twitter, shout-out to all 7,597 people following me on Twitter. Why, I don't know. Uh, Very much appreciate that. And shout-out to all 279 people following the Facebook page for this show. Thank you so much for that. Today is Thursday, November 3rd, 2011. It is 11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the last time I was able to say that. Daylight savings time ends this coming weekend, so remember to fall back, people. (laughs) And temperature here at the Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters is uh, 53 degrees Fahrenheit. And how is your week going there, kids? I haven't uh, podcasted uh, in a while. And, uh, you know, I used to do this show twice a week. Back in the day, back in the Dr. Anonymous show days, twice a week, you believe that? Now I'm like down to once a month, which I'm very disappointed in. I have to improve that there a little bit. Uh, But yes, as I've been uh, saying for the last few shows, there's a new mission for this show that I'm hoping to happen, to broadcast this show live from the 2012 American Academy of Family Physicians meeting in Philadelphia in October 2012, that is 11 short months away. I'm still wishing and hoping and trying to work on that. (laughs) So we have a big show out here for you today. Uh, But first off, I do want to give a big shout-out to my friends out there in the city of Los Angeles um, at uh, Blog World Expo, Los Angeles 2011. Especially the people out there that are going to be uh, at the uh, social health track. Um, it's going to be the superstars of uh, social health. Wish I could have been there this year. Um, I was there a couple of years ago. Was on a panel there, but uh, a lot of a lot of my friends going out there are going to be presenting. Uh, it is, uh, I believe, just past 8 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, and uh, my good friend uh, Carrie Sparling and uh, Schwinn and uh, Terry Pollock, Jamie Davis, Kim McAllister, Doctor Val. I think is going to be out there the karaokeing Enoch Choi will be out there presenting as well so uh, have a fun day out there today there kids um and uh, i broadcasted this very show 2 years ago from the uh from the uh exhibit floor of Blog Work Expo 2009 so you can go back in the archives to see and hear that also november is uh, national novel writing month shout out to all my friends who are going to be doing that i of course am a slacker And I'm not going to be doing that. I did for one uh, month, I think, uh, when I first started blogging, did the uh, National Blog Posting Month, where I did a blog post every day for a month. That was tough, and I haven't done that since. (laughs) Um, And also, uh, if you can help me out, if you can help me justify that uh, social media is a good CME topic, continual medical education topic. If you can go to this link, com slash A-D-H-E, needing medication adherence slash compliance. am um, as part of a team that uh, put together some uh, continuing med- medical education credits trying to answer the question, can social media help patients take their medications correctly? Now, don't give me a comment here. Don't give me a Facebook thing here please go to the website, um, cmecorner.com slash A-D-H-E. We're trying to get some traffic for that to justify to the funders (laughs) that social media is a good social media topic. Uh, So we're going to get going here. But first, I do want to thank Block Talk Radio for uh, having me, a featured host, and having this show on the front page here this morning. Thank you for that. I've been a social media hobbyist since 2005 including over 200 of these block talk radio shows. Uh, And if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor. I am a uh, family physician in full-time private practice here in beautiful but colder northeastern Ohio. The uh, fall leaves are coming down, uh, not like the northeastern part of the country where they had snow last week. So uh, I've heard from my Facebook friends that the power is coming back to the northeast part of the United States. So that's great to hear. So I will take my break here and uh, we'll continue onward here. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution. Just Google FM Revolution for more information. Also a member of the ProMed Network, a podcast you can get there by going to ProMedNetwork.com and we'll be right back. And that's right, Family Medicine's leading voice in social media, in my own mind. <laughs> this is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast live on the Blog Talk Radio Network. So our top story here uh, has to do with the story from the Columbus Dispatch newspaper. From Tuesday, November 1, 2011, 7.06 a.m. The uh, title here is One Million in Ohio Lack. Family doctor. What? I know. And I've been getting some emails here for the past few days. Say, Mike, why does this drive you nuts? What? What? Why? Why? I mean, it's it's a nothing really type story. Like, why? Why are you just so revved up with this? Well, let me just read this here to you. I'll read parts of this and react to them. And if you want to funnel along, you can go to familymedicinerocks.com. In the link there, you can also go to the Columbus Dispatch website and read the story there here's the first sentence the first sentence goes like this nearly one million ohioans say they don't have a family doctor or nurse practitioner who they can see about health problems that's the that's the leading sentence yeah sure that gets some attention it gets later in the uh, in the article here i'm like where did this come from So the article says this comes from the Ohio Family Health Survey, and the article says it's a regular assessment of health by government, health, human service agency, and university officials across the state. For the 2010 survey, 8,276 adults responded. There were 2,002 proxy responses for children. So how did you, how did they come from 8,276 adults to 1 million Ohioans? That's the first question that I have. The second paragraph of this article goes, of those, you're referring to the 1 million, of those, 43%, they don't need a family doctor because they're healthy, not because they don't have insurance. Researchers said, according to the article, this finding suggests that a mandate under federal health reform that everyone have health insurance is not enough to ensure that people will get regular care. What does that statement mean? That statement is aimed directly to Ohioans here voting on issue three. That's right. Issue three coming uh, the election day is next week. Have to do with uh, a change in the Ohio Constitution. Uh, affecting A possible federal mandate Or a federal mandate For people to purchase health insurance I think that's where that came from And that's what people have told me in the past few days They're like Mike this is a totally political article Why are you getting so Why are you getting so wrapped up with it Well I'm getting so wrapped up with it As I go through this whole article There is not one Quote from a family physician There's not one. There's one quote here in this article, and it comes from an emergency room doc, and nothing against emergency medicine. But if the title of the article says Family Docs, you would think that the reporter would call somebody who's a family doc and say, hey, what is your reaction to this study? That's one thing that gets me all upset. (laughs) The next thing is, where do they get their numbers? They don't explain it. I go to this Ohio Family Health Survey website, try to find some data so I can do my own interpretation of the raw data. There is nothing there. There's nothing there that I can see. If people have the link to where the study is where I can look at it, send it to familymedicinerocks.com and I'll look at it. But how they went. From 8,276 adults in this survey to 1 million Ohioans say they do not have a family doctor to see about health problems. What is that about? I don't get that. And then they say in paragraph two, because people don't get past paragraph one, paragraph two of those 43%, they don't say they don't need one. And later, later in the – In the article, it says in the second highest response, 29% of those surveyed said the high cost of health care kept them from having a regular doctor or nurse practitioner. So that's kind of buried in there in the middle of the article. So, and, you know, later that day, it got picked up by the Associated Press. And as I'm looking across news stations across the great state of Ohio, a lot of people did pick up this story, including locally here at the Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters. And there's been a lot of commentary on it. And, uh, you know, why, why didn't they ask a family physician? Why didn't they ask the Family Physician Organization of Ohio, namely the Ohio Academy of Family Physicians? What is the deal with that? So, but I am happy to report that uh, the Ohio Academy Family Physicians did send a letter off to the Columbus Dispatch on Wednesday, November 2, 2011. It goes like this. The findings of the Ohio Family Health Survey in Tuesday's dispatch underscore the need for the patient-centered medical home PCMH model of care. Patients need a primary care physician, such as a family physician, when they are both healthy and sick. Developing a patient-physician relationship while healthy promotes preventative care focused on well care rather than sick care. The letter goes on to say, if every Ohioan had a PCMH, they would have the following. A personal primary care physician and a medical office team that provides for your care. Ease of making doctor's appointments with shorter waits and same-day scheduling of appointments for those things that cannot wait. Convenient consultations resulting from enhanced communication options, for example, email and telephone interaction. Appointments and services that fit your schedule. Access to health and information technology, electronic health records, and clinical information that eliminate duplicative ugh, if I say that, services and tests easy access to lab and test results, a collaborative partnership with your physician to maintain good health and avoid sickness, patient education that allows you to make a better informed decision on recommendation treatments and helps you follow your treatment plan successfully, health reminders and assistance with self-care and counseling. If you had a PCMH, why would you want or need to go to the emergency department for primary care exactly? Colette Willans, MD, Family Physician of Westlake, Ohio, President's Ohio Academy of Family Physicians. So that's great. I'm glad that the uh, Ohio Family Physician community came to uh, <laughs> came to bat, did not ask for an opinion, gave out an opinion, showed some leadership out there, and say, hey, this is what we think. You know, that's one of the great things about uh, traditional media, social media. You can get your opinion out there. That's part of the reason for this show and say, hey, I know a lot of people, uh, even people that I talk to say, my primary care physician is an emergency room doctor. That is not how things should be done. And if you've listened to the show before, you've known that I've talked about the patient-centered medical home in the past, I think that that is is the solution to this broken healthcare system. The family physician community has been saying that for a long time, and I think this article is an opportunity to make another point about that. So we'll see what happens. I'm hoping that the Columbus Dispatch and other news organizations around the state, when they have issues like this, hey, reach out to a family physician, call me. I'll talk to anybody. (laughs) You can see I'm not (laughs) shocked. Just go to familymedicinerocks.com. There's my contact information there. I'll be happy, 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 happy to talk about anything (laughs) to anybody. I also wanted to point out that on the uh, uh, Columbus Dispatch uh, website, they do have their um, hot topic issue, entitled, Do You Have a Family Physician That You Visit Regularly? And this is where people can comment. I encourage you to go there and check that out. That is attached to the One Million in Ohio Lack Family Doctor article. So interesting feedback from people, from readers of the Columbus Dispatch. So I will take a break here, and uh, topic two will be about advocacy, the more broad topic of advocacy. This is a small topic here. We'll be talking about federal stuff that uh, family physicians can and should do right after this. My name is Mike Sevilla. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. <laughs> The unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution, Google FM Revolution for more details. So topic two, advocacy. So we're talking about important stuff here, kids. We're talking about the survival of primary care, the survival of family medicine here in this broken healthcare care system. Um, about a week ago, my good friend uh, Kevin Bernstein from the Future of Family Medicine blog, Google it right now. Well, maybe after the show. They celebrated their first anniversary of their blog, probably one of the most popular family medicine blogs out there, futureoffamilymedicine.blogspot.com. They celebrated their first anniversary, and uh, Kevin put together a video, uh, a creative little video there about uh, Family Medicine Revolution. I might play it here, but it's all audio. (laughs) I mean, it's all visual, you know, that they have messages on there, and it's music in the background, so I can't play it here. But uh, it has picked up a lot of steam in the Family Medicine community. I've seen at least uh, 20 or 25 uh, uh, links on Facebook. Uh, They have had almost 1,000 views on YouTube of that little video. You can see it by going to FamilyMedicineRocks.com in today's post. But a few days after that, uh, my good friend, family physician, superstar, Dr. Sarah Sands from here in Ohio, she uh, recorded a a video um, with the American Academy of Family Physicians talking about Medicare, talking about the Medicare payment system, the SGR, uh, the sustained growth rate, I think it's what it's called. But it's SGR. It's like the, the the payment system that nobody likes. That's been fixed numerous times in the past few months. And there is a due for a cut on December 31st of almost 30%, 30% payment to family physicians in primary care. And I was able to get the audio from this. You can see the video at FamilyMedicineRocks.com, but for you audio listeners, This is what the audio portion of Dr. Sam's video sounds like.
2: Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Sam. I work in a small family practice, and every day I see all sorts of patients. Many of them are seniors on Medicare. I'm glad I can help give them the excellent care they deserve. But the SGR debacle has really taken a toll. We all know it's flawed. It's been patched five times in the last year alone. No other businesses operate under such uncertainty. Why should family docs be forced to? If Congress doesn't do something about the SGR by December 31st, family physicians, like me, are looking at a nearly 30% cut to Medicare payments and they make up about a quarter of our practice revenue. The thing is, family docs are the most cost-effective kind. We catch and treat illnesses early and manage chronic conditions, preventing unnecessary and expensive hospitalizations. We already get paid less than other specialties, so when you're looking for places to cut the budget, don't look to primary care docs. Please, don't take away our ability to care for the patients that need us most. Here's the bottom line. Unless the SGR is fixed, a lot of us won't be able to afford to take new Medicare patients, and we may be forced to stop taking care of some that we currently see. Some practices may even go out of business. A lot of people out there, mainly seniors, could lose their doctors. Don't let this happen. Fix the SGR once and for all. You can do this by one, repealing it, two, setting a temporary rate for the next three to five years so that different payment systems can be studied. And three, within this rate, give primary care a 3% bump to sustain the most cost-effective type of physician. Help us keep healing.
0: So there you go, kids. Uh, still gives me goosebumps for, you know, hearing that. <laughs> that is such a great job. Good job there, Dr. Sands, and also AAFP. And the interesting thing about that is that, you know, there, there's I've been uh, looking at the views on that, and it's only been a couple hundred, you know, and, and uh, you know, something that, that I really want to try to emphasize to the uh, family medicine community is that, you know, everybody loves the FM Revolution um, video, a lot of thumbs up, a lot of cross posts, a lot of, you know, yeah, rah, rah, rah. You know, but there's really, I mean, it, it, where it really comes down to is that the family medicine community you know, really kind of has to take um, a lesson from the Occupy Wall Street movement. Now, <laughs> now that I put that out what do I mean by that? What they have done, what the Occupy people have done and what they're doing, is that they are taking and they are turning emotion into action. Now, you may not agree with their action, but they are doing something and i think the family medicine community needs to do the same it's great to say hey we love your family medicine revolution video you know it makes me feel good you know but then what then what sarah sams has taken emotion and turning it into action she you know has taken part in a video she i know contacts her legislators on a regular basis We, as family physicians, we, as a family medicine community, need to take that next step. We need to take that step in turning that emotion, that frustration that we have, or that elation that we have being family docs and taking the next step, and we should be advocates for ourselves. If family physicians cannot advocate for ourselves, then who will, people? So I encourage you, especially with this SGR, whatever you want to do on Twitter, You know, I've seen people say, you know, fix SGR, hashtag, um, you know, repeal SGR, hashtag, um, eject SGR, hashtag. However you want to do it, get out there, use social media to be an advocate for our specialty. Uh, The last thing in this segment, I want to give a big shout-out to my good friend, uh, Dr. Jerry Tolbert, uh, who's a family doc, and he started – a uh, podcast uh, this week and uh, very excited for him he's been on this show in the past as a guest and he started his own podcast called Here's to Your Health and he's talking about clinical topics I have a little bit of a segment here from his uh, podcast you can get access to the podcast on their Facebook page you search for Total Access Physicians on Facebook or you can go to FamilyMedicineRocks.com in the show notes for this show to get access to their Facebook page in this uh, brief segment here, well, actually not brief segment, but in this segment here, he's talking about what he wants to try to do with the Here's to Your Health podcast. Here's my good friend, Dr. Jerry Tolbert. This podcast,
1: hopefully, over the next few days, weeks, and months, will metamorphosize into something that is incredibly patient-centered. The goal of this podcast is to answer your questions to discuss things that are pertinent, that are in the news right now, or that are public health topics that are very important. Just like yesterday's episode was about influenza and the the influenza vaccine, uh, I hope to discuss several things that are um, pertinent to -to day-to-day life and day-to-day well-being. One of the other things that the articles mention, and this is also very, very important, is that a lot of times the information posted by patients or uh, the information that already exists, some of the patient education information, uh, videos on YouTube and those kinds of things, that are already out there, that are on YouTube or that are on the web, can be misleading or even incorrect. And that's a very important point. And it's also something that, as physicians, we're going to have to really step up and kind of take the lead on not only dispelling those myths, which is one of the things I'm going to be doing in this podcast, but also providing appropriate information in a setting and in a format that's easy for people to access. I'm going to start in the lighter notes of my podcast, including the links or at least the the URLs for uh, the articles that I'm using to uh, put them together and for the citations that I'm using, if it's coming out of textbooks or if it's coming off of uh, websites that are public accessible, uh, and I want to to make this as transparent as possible. I want people to understand that this isn't just me rambling on about these topics. This is actually me talking about these things from a, from a researched background. I don't want this to be something that becomes a rant fest. Uh, that's not to say that it won't include my opinions about certain things, but I do want to be very scientific, and I want to be research and, and evidence-based in what I'm talking about. So uh, there's a lot of good information out there, and sometimes it's just hard to get your hands on. So my goal is to make it more accessible to you as a patient or to you as a clinician or to you as a as a, a person and to allow you to ask questions that you may have or that you may have seen information about, you know, If you see something on the Internet and you wonder, is this real or is this a medical fact Uh, or is this a medical myth, go ahead and send me a uh, text message if you know me personally. You can send me a a direct message on Twitter, at at DrTolbert, that's my Twitter handle, or you can find me on Facebook, however you feel led to, to contact me. Uh, it's okay. I will try my best to keep up with all of those questions, and most of them, if they're something that I can get a lot of good background information on, will become, uh, eventually, podcasts on this feed. One of the things that this article points out, and it's one thing that I want to end with here, is that, and I'm quoting, the Internet and social media are not going away. YouTube is a powerful platform to deliver and receive healthcare information but healthcare providers and professional societies need to provide more educational and efficient materials using this powerful tool to counteract misleading information. That's my goal. That's my mantra. And that's what I hope to provide for all of you with this podcast. This is Dr. Jerry Zolbert, and here's to your health.
0: Good job there, my friend, Dr. Jerry Zolbert. That is my goal. That is my mantra. Love that. Love that. The Here's to Your Health podcast, you can also find it on iTunes. Give him a um, a subscribe there. Welcome to the Family Medicine Revolution, my friend there, Jerry Tolbert, and uh, social media. We're going to take another break here. We're going to talk about uh, after the break here, the New York Times article, Do Nice Doctors Make Better Doctors? You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast right here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back. Family Medicine Through the Eyes of a Family Physician. This is the Family Medicine Rocks Podcast. My name is Mike Savilla. So uh, there's this article that came out last week in the New York Times that's got a lot of action on Twitter. And the original article is called The Downside of Doctors Who Feel Your Pain, October 31, 2011. Lisa Rosenbaum, MD. He is a cardiology fellow at New York Presby and an editorial fellow at the New England Journal of Medicine. And the article says, uh, I'll I'll read uh, uh, the beginning of this. She starts, when I started my medical internship, my father, the doctor, told me that when he was an intern, the competence of his colleagues was inversely proportional to how much their patients liked them. My heart sank. I had the likability market covered. You wanted eye contact? I'll give you eye contact. You wanted someone to nod and say, I understand your pain? Empathy may as well have been my middle name. But actually, tending to the acute medical issues of sick patients in the middle of the night, interpersonal skills alone were not going to cut it. The article goes on to say that there have been some efforts – at different medical schools for doctors to be nicer <laughs> for more interpersonal communication what they call in the medical education halls the touchy feely stuff. <laughs> and the article goes on to say how do we how do we even measure these skills? During one of my clinical training sessions, a patient told me no physician had ever made her feel more at ease. The next caution that I made too much eye contact. The beauty of clinical medicine is that we constantly question our latest wisdom. How we select and train medical students may be more difficult to evaluate than the effect of vitamin supplement, but that that does not excuse from subjecting our novel approaches, including an emphasis on glad handing patients to the same investigative rigor. And you know, in my medical school, I mean and, and I know a lot of medical schools out there, you know, the the language has changed as well. I think they call it doctoring class. Doctoring. Um they used to be called the art of medicine classes beyond the sciences. Does it really make a difference? Eh, I guess it I guess to a point. But there are some people out there on Twitter And even on Facebook, very upset with this article. (laughs) Why are people upset about this article? I mean, you know, you just need a good mix of interpersonal skills and a knowledge base. Of course, being a primary care physician, hey, that's what I do every day. (laughs) But what do you think? Is this this something that uh, you're feeling really uh, strongly about? There's also a quote here. The ideal physician surely possesses both competence and compassion. But will our quest to eradicate the cold-hearted physician know-it-all, and be uh, another fad with consequences that we may later regret? I mean, the whole House M.D. television series—he's <laughs> not the most touchy-feely guy—but people watch that show. People even like that—at least from a television standpoint. Do people like that in real life? Do people like that, you know, in-your-face, uh, sometimes condescending type attitude? in the doctor patient relationship. They do on television. Do they do it in real life? Let me know. It's interesting stuff. We're gonna take another break, one more break here. And I'm we'll gonna be talking about the last segment here, just some meetings I've been at, and uh, I was at recently and also coming up next week where I'll be speaking somewhere in the state of Missouri. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast right here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Mike Savella. We will be right back. Minutes medicine rocks podcast here on live on Block talk radio my name is mike savilla if you like what you hear thank you for staying with me this long you can get more uh, information uh at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash med rocks you can subscribe to the podcast here which i do probably about once a month now if you like it let me know maybe i'll do more podcasts uh often <laughs> so um a couple of weeks ago i had this huge trip Um, I went out uh, to the West Coast. Actually, I went to Los Angeles, where my friends are right now, um, at the Blog World Expo Los Angeles, but I was there a couple weeks ago, Um, and the uh, California Academy of Family Physicians asked me to come out and speak at their Family Medicine Summit. It was a really, really good time, and I got to meet a lot of great people out there. They're doing a lot of great uh, advocacy efforts, standing up for family medicine out there in the great state of California. I talked about social media and family medicine i have been lazy not really lazy i have been too busy to edit the video i did a video of uh of me and uh, my talk and i think it might be up on familymedicinerocks.com uh, right now where i talk to basically you know a bunch of uh, residents and medical students the family medicine summit uh, is framed for medical students and residents um, they're always a great group of people to be around. They give me energy. Uh, they always uh make me think back to the my more idealistic days. <laughs> not my uh, you know days now where I'm very cynical no, not really uh, but it's always great to talk to them their 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 energy and their passion, uh, not only for family medicine but but uh, for taking care of patients uh, for medicine in general. Uh, they're they're really savvy at, at social media. Uh, they they taught me a lot of good stuff. Uh, so so it was great to, to talk to them. I got to talk to uh, some program directors, uh, some uh, uh, community family docs. Uh, a great mix of people. Um, And uh, thank you again to the California Academy of Family Physicians for inviting me to come out. Um, I did a uh, kind of tag team presentation with my good friend, uh, Dr. Jay Lee, who was on this podcast uh, in the past. And we did a little bit of an advocacy talk there. We're hoping to uh, uh, present together in the future at family medicine meetings and talking about advocacy and how we can stand up, especially using social media. Uh, for our specialty of family medicine. Uh, following that, I flew to Rochester, Minnesota, uh, to the Mayo Clinic. Uh, they had a, a Mayo Clinic Social Media Week. It was just, it was awesome. Um, the first part of the week uh, uh, was a kind of co-branded with uh, Reagan Communications, and uh, they had a great, uh, uh, a great bunch of people there. I, not only did I meet physicians, I met a lot of healthcare communicators. Um, a lot of people um, doing public relations, uh, people who really are passionate about social media and how they can help their hospital, how they can help patients uh, use uh, social media uh, for whatever goals that they're trying to accomplish. And I got to meet a lot of the social media, social health superstars uh, out there as well. That was a great experience, and I got to meet a lot of people. Hopefully, uh, uh, some opportunities uh, for me personally have uh, come out of that I'm uh, doing some follow ups on that people are following up on me on, on other ways that we can collaborate um, in the future uh, to work together uh, to educate the public to educate um, communities um, about social media and medicine and family medicine uh, so uh, so thanks to the Mayo Clinic for asking me to to be on a panel there that was a lot of fun. The second part of the week, they had a Mayo Clinic social media residency, which was a twenty six hour uh, very intense session framed uh, towards um, social media beginners. Uh, and you're like, well, Mike, why are you there? You're not a social media beginner. I know. Uh, but I wanna, what I wanted to try to do was to see what kind of teaching techniques uh, that they had to teach people how to use family medicine. That's something that I'm passionate about. I want to teach my colleagues. I want to teach my peers. I want to teach anybody who will listen about social media, especially when it comes to social media and medicine, social media and family medicine. Um, so uh, um, got to uh, – because, you know, when you're doing this every day, or and you know anybody with a hobby, when you're doing a hobby, it's a lot different than when you're teaching a hobby. And uh, there's that thing in medical school, see one, do one, teach one. And uh, I'm trying to uh, find out some little tricks that I can do or, or ways that I can explain things to people because I know how I understand things. But how other people understand things can be a lot different. Uh, So hopefully I'll be writing some blog posts um, about that um, as well. Uh, uh, They have a great Facebook page uh, uh, for the meeting, the third annual social media uh, summit uh, on Facebook. There's been a lot of action on that um, as well. So next week I'm very excited. I'm going to be going to the great state of Missouri next week uh, for two days or three days uh, to the Missouri Academy at Family Physicians Uh, meeting out there. I'm going to be talking about uh, what else, social media and family medicine. Um, I've never been to their meeting before. I'm looking forward to uh, meeting some great people out there. Um, I think it's in the Branson, Missouri area, and I have all my flights all uh, set up there. And uh, being a speaker, this whole being a speaker thing is uh, a whole new thing for me. It's been a fun year this year, going to different places and meeting a lot of different people and seeing what their – concerns are, what they're excited about when it comes to social media and family medicine. So I will be at the Missouri Academy of Family Physicians uh, meeting uh, coming up uh, next week. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter or Facebook, and uh, you can see my updates uh, there. Uh, So that's it. Uh, That's it for uh, today's show. uh, it's a quick uh, 45 minutes already here. I should, I, should be, I should be podcasting a little bit more frequently because there's so much more information I could have talked about today, uh, but I did not want to bore you here. I didn't want to go too much past uh, 45 minutes. Uh, so thank you all for joining me, whether you're listening live or uh, you're listening uh, downloaded on a podcast. Uh, send me some feedback. Uh, go to familymedicinerocks.com. Send me uh, some feedback there. You can follow me on Twitter, Dr. Mike Savilla, Dr. Uh, Mike Savilla. You can follow the uh, Facebook page uh, for the show. Uh, You can see my YouTube page at uh, MikeSavilla.tv. MikeSavilla.com takes you to my LinkedIn page. I am pretty much everywhere. So if you want to find me, you'll be able to find me. (laughs) So uh, thank you all for uh, joining me. I don't know when I'll be podcasting again, um, but uh, um, I certainly will let you know out there uh, on Twitter or Facebook, or whatever other mediums uh, that are out there. So let me find some uh, closing music here, and uh, then we will get out of here. My name is Mike Savella, and uh, the host of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast here. Thank you all for joining me. Go to the website. Check me out on Twitter, on Facebook. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll talk to you all very soon.